did and tried We're oft made to wonder Why it should be Thus all the day long While there are others Living about us Never molested Though in Farther along we'll know all about it Farther along we'll understand why Cheer up my brother, live in the sunshine We'll understand it all by and by has come and taken our loved ones it leaves our home so lonely and dreary. and do we wonder why others prosper living so wicked year after year farther along up my brother live in the sunshine we'll understand it all by and by first song was uh, written in I believe in the 1920s about uh, 
fortunate are people uh, that live wicked lives getting seems like they're getting blessed and people that don't have so much are constantly being fed with struggles and trying to understand why that is the case and I've had some of those thoughts recently and I mean all the time and as I'm sure most people do Thank you, Joy, for preparing us for worship. I was thinking of giving up my spot so you could continue. 
Oh, okay. Good morning. A hearty welcome to all, those that are here, those that are tuning in on TV, and maybe those that will be getting a CD and listening to and watching us later. Isn't it great to have snow? Isn't it okay to have cold? It seems like some things are right. For Manitoba at this time of year, this is what we can expect. We wish all of you a blessed new year, and may you connect with Jesus Christ in 2022 in a more meaningful way than you ever have. I want just to look us to look at the title for the next series, Encouragement for the Race in Life. And I look forward to this series. We have just celebrated the Savior being born as a newborn, so it is with our so it is with our faith. We have studied Peter, and now it will, we will study James, and we are on a study of the journey to maturity. As I thought about Peter and James, two thoughts came to mind. One, how then shall we live? Or, it's never too late, make the best act of your life your next act. I look forward to what the book of James will teach us. A new year, a new opportunity. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for this day. We thank you for the past year. And we thank you for how you've walked with us, how you've journeyed with us through a time of testing, through a time um, of uncertainty. Father, we um, look forward to this coming year. And we know that as you have journeyed with us in the past, that you will be with us and, and walk with us each day. Father, give us um, the courage to live um, in such a way that those around us who are maybe finding it more difficult, that they will be encouraged, that they will find in you, that they will see the, see the light, uh, your light in us, that they will feel and taste the salt. And, um, Father, we have opportunity that may, that really for me, we have never had before. There's many conversations, Father, that have happened and are happening. And, Father, help us to, um, take, take the time and to be just that for each other. I pray all of this in your name. Amen. Good morning. I hope you're okay with us singing a few more Christmas carols. The season is so short. So please stand and we will sing together. Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Red. 
Let's continue with number 126. It came upon the midnight clear, and we'll sing verses 1, 3, and 4. Their harps of gold, peace only. 
You can be seated if you'd like, and we'll continue with 142. As with gladness, men of old. We'll sing all four verses. I'm so glad for everyone that could make it today, and I'm so thankful that we can gather again to worship. I'll tell a short story today and make some application. Charlie was a young boy. He was walking into a bank. Mrs. Jones, the receptionist, greeted him friendly and said, Good morning. May I help you? He said, Charlie said, I'd like to talk to the bank manager. With a friendly face, Mrs. Jones said, Well, you have to make an appointment beforehand. The bank manager is busy. You cannot just come anytime and talk to him. So Charlie thinks a bit and he says, But I, I need to talk to the bank manager. She says, well, you will have to come another time when you have an appointment, and you will have to bring your parents with you because you are not old enough yet. Charlie looks at Mrs. Jones and said, but the bank manager is my father. That changed the, changed the situation. Mrs. Jones stood up right away, walked around her desk, took Charlie and let him press passed all the other people right to the bank manager's office, opened the door, and ushered him in. 
So Charlie was able to see the bank manager, his father. We have just celebrated Christmas. That's when God sent his son Jesus to come to this world to show us his love. He wants to have a relationship with us. He wants us to become his children. He loves us. And we just need to accept that. Come to him. We are his children. We don't need an appointment. He is there all the time. Nobody can stop us from going to him and talking to him. He watches us all the time. He is, he created the whole world. Everything we see, we hear, we touch, and many things more that we are not even aware of. He made us. And in his word, we read in John chapter 1, it says that when Jesus came, his own did not accept him, did not welcome him. But then it says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children. We can come to him just as we can come to our parents any time. Then in First John, he says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That's First John 3, 1 and 2. In Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, Jesus says, All power in, on, in heaven and earth is given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. And the promise he gives is, I will, will, I will be with you till the end of the age. Those are just a few of the verses that help us, that give us joy, that give us peace to go forward. We have the whole Bible. And I would urge you to dig into this treasure chest this year. Read. Find all the good promises that he has and let it help you live a joyful life this new year, even though we don't know what it brings, but we have our Heavenly Father, who is far more than a bank manager, where a little son can come and talk to him. He owns and rules everything, and we can come to him. What a grace. What a gift. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that we may be, that we are your children. You say so. And Nobody can sever the relationship between you and us because you have sealed it with Jesus' blood. Guide us this year and help us to be a light to other people. Amen.
Thank you, Anna, for uh, that reminder that there is an open door, no appointments necessary. Let's take our bulletin and um, uh, take a look at some of the things that are happening in our church and maybe in our community. Our uh, Sunday schools, there's uh, Sunday schools and there's uh, for men and there's a special Sunday school and lady Sunday school. Uh, Please um, uh, avail yourself of them after the church service. Let's remember our missionaries, and especially Preston and Myra uh, Wheeler. In talking to Preston, things actually in the last two years, and I've, you know, I've said this here before, have really actually multiplied instead of stopping. Their ministry has multiplied, and through the opportunity of, of video connection, and uh, so they've been able to connect all over the world with many people all over the world and help them, train them, and and so the ministry and the gospel has been heard. Um, God has been able to use this and multiply it. Let's also remember some of our other missionaries who are in places where things are maybe even more difficult than we have them here. We have um, some things to do. Take a note of the annual reports that uh, Susan was looking for. The Missions Committee is asking us if we are, uh, would like to, to help uh, John Lepke finish his, his garage that he's building for that vehicle that, um, that he's, is working for him, is helping him with his independence. We have um, a praise uh, item here under person with health needs. Diedrich Martins was able to go home, I understand, on Friday, so he's at home right now. Um, but Olga and Mary are, are still there, and um, Olga's struggling um, at this time. Let's remember both of them in prayer, but let's also remember others. There's many others that are struggling, and they're, they're at home with various things. But let's also remember the healthcare workers. There are many that are working very long hours to try and keep up with what the needs are. And I know of some that are working regularly 12 hours and then are still being asked to help, can you do more? We also have our, uh, many of our people in Salem that are, that are hurting, and so let's keep them in prayer as well. Um, they, are, they are lonely because of the shut, shut down, and I understand this weekend even more shut down in, in both hospital and, and uh, the personal care homes. So let's take a moment and just pray, you know, for these, for the, for some of these items. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have, first of all, to worship, worship here, worship together. And Father, we thank you for the Sunday schools that that, that are happening, for the men and women uh, willing to teach and to lead. And Father, help us to be take part of that to be, to learn and, and grow together. And Father, um, you know, I, we just ask um, that you walk in a special way with our missionaries. Um, give them, um, en- encourage them, um, help them to, to 
be near you. Be Walk with them so that they can feel your nearness. And, Father, we want to hold up Preston and Myra in particular, who are in B.C., and, and who have a special ministry to leaders all over the world, to be able to um, encourage leaders to step up and, you know, and bring faith conversations to their peers and to those around them. Father, we thank you for our healthcare workers. We ask for for energy, for for encouragement as well for them as they take care of Olga and as they take care of Mary and uh, as they take care of so many many others. And Father, we want to pray for the healthcare workers in Salem who are carrying a heavy load and um, who are doing uh, long hours who are working faithfully to take care of our loved ones. Father, we also thank you that you were there and, and walked with and, and for the support that was given to, to Susan Weens and family. Father, be, we pray that you will be near them as they continue a life without Corny in their lives. Uh, here, we know that he is in a better place. And, Father, we praise you and thank you for just that, that we can know that we have a place to go to, that it's not an end. And, Father, we pray for those that are in fear and that haven't received that joy, that haven't received that um, assurance. And, Father, help us to be a, a vehicle that helps them find that. Lord, I now ask that you bless the offering, uh, that little that we share with you, multiply it, and grow it and use it for your honor and glory. pray this in your name. Amen. Please join us as we sing the song Offering. It is in your bulletin as well, page 3. Compared to the glory of your love, there is. 
Scripture reading this morning is uh, James 1, verses 1 to 12. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises from scorching heat and withers the plant, Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because, having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Thus far the reading of God's word. Good morning. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. 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 Yes, just one correction in the bulletin before we begin. There is no Sunday school today, and it will be starting next week. So no Sunday school today, this morning. It'll be starting next week. This morning I want to start a new message series found in the book of James entitled Encouragement for the Race in Life. Encouragement for the Race in Life. In life. As we enter the new year, we all pray that it's going to be better than last year, with not as many struggles or not many heartaches as we had this past year. 
The author of this book covers various topics that every believer, every Christian ought to know as they face the journey of life. They include endurance under trials, temptation, persecution, listening and doing, faith and works, poverty and wealth, controlling the tongue, asking for wisdom, two kinds of wisdom, care of orphans and widows, prayer along with various other topics. So this will be an exciting journey to see how James, one of the first books of the New Testament that was written, addressing the early church on how they ought to live the Christian life. And then how it applies to us today where we are at. So before we begin, let's come before the Lord in prayer and ask for his guidance and his direction. Our Heavenly Father, we pause before you to give you thanks. Heavenly Father, as we look into your word, we realize that it, it has a, a pattern for us that is cut out on how we can pattern our lives after your word. It is through your word that you communicate to us. And then as we pray, we ask for your guidance and your direction each and every day as well as today that we will see from your word how this applies to our lives. So I pray that you would go with us on this series as we look into the book of James. We pray, Lord, that it would bear within our hearts so that we can carry out everything that you have told us to do and so that we can live a life that brings honor and glory to you. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. I've entitled this morning's message, Really Winning in the Midst of Trials. And this is only part one of this um, uh, message. And believe it or not, I'm only going to be speaking on verse one. And then part two of the next message will be verses um, two through twelve. So the first point of this message is this, um, winning in the midst of trials by following examples of others, verse 1. By following the examples of others. And the first verse opens, James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. This letter was written around 45 to 47 A.D., as I've said um, already, that the book, this was one of the first books of the New Testament that was written. Many of the people who were recipients of this book were still alive when Jesus lived, and, the, and they witnessed Christ's miracles as well as his teachings. They probably sat and listened to Christ as he proclaimed the gospel. These people were predominantly Jewish, and had come to faith in Christ. And as we read the book of Acts, the church exploded into existence with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. As Peter preached that first message at the day of Pentecost, approximately 3,000 people came to faith in Christ that one day alone. In the year, in the wild, or in the months that pursued, the church 
scholars believe had reached even to over a hundred thousand people in Jerusalem until persecution set in and scattered these believers. Often we just think it was the disciples who went on missionary journeys and especially the apostle Paul. We think he went and planted all the churches and yet the church had spread from the church in Jerusalem as they were scattered because of the persecution and the hardships. As we can see, God uses trials, hardships, tribulations in order to mature people to where he wants them to be and in order to take the gospel around the world. We don't like that idea. We'd rather be comfortable. We'd rather sit in churches where it's warm, like here. I'd rather stay home and not travel anywhere else. Be warm, comfortable, enjoy the things what I do. But sometimes God uses situations in our lives to promote the gospel as he pushes us into the limelight where we are called to share Jesus Christ with others. We need to ask the first question, who is James, the author of this letter? Several people in the New Testament went by James, and two of the disciples were actually called James. First, James, the son of Zebedee, the brother of John. He was the disciple, one of Jesus' inner inner circle of friends that Jesus spent more time with than others. And if we looked in the scriptures, we would find, especially in the Gospels, Jesus spent a lot of time with the disciples and he spent even more time with Peter, James, and John. It seems that Peter, James, and John, the this three disciples, Jesus took along with them often. He gave them special instructions that others did not hear. He even, they off, they also saw miracles that the others did not see. In the Gospels, we see that Peter, James, and John walked with the Lord. And a matter of fact, it was Peter and Andrew who, first of all, were called by Jesus to be the first disciples. Matthew chapter 4, verse 21 and 22 tells us this. Um, After, like I said, Peter and Andrew came to know the Lord and walked with Christ, it says, going on from there, he saw two brothers, James the son of Zebedee and his brother John. They were in the boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. And Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Isn't that exciting? They heard Jesus' call, they left everything behind, and they immediately went to follow Jesus. In Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, we learn that James was the first of the disciples who died as a martyr for the cause of Christ. Herod had put him to death in 44 AD. Thus, James, the brother of John, could not have been the author of this letter because it was penned after his death. And when was this letter penned, as I said? 45 to 47 AD. Second, James, the son of Alphaeus. He is listed in the six New Testament passages that list the disciples. But other than being on the list, nothing is known about James, the son of Alphaeus. Thus, it is doubtful that he penned this letter. The third James is James, the son of Judas, the disciple. In the, 
ESV version and in the NASB version, New American Standard, James, son of Judas, is listed twice in the roll call of the disciples. That is found in Luke chapter 6, verse 16, and Acts chapter 1, verse 13. This distinguished him from Judas Iscariot because of the same name. And nothing else is known about him. Thus, it is improbable that he wrote the letter. And fourth and the last is James, the brother of our Lord. When Jesus was preaching to his hometown and the people were amazed by his speaking, they said in Matthew chapter 13, 55 and 56, Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get these things? Close quote. Although James is listed with his brothers and sisters in Matthew chapter 13, verse 55 and 56, and in Matthew chapter 6, verse 3, as a brother to the Lord, he was really only a half-brother to Christ. Why is that? Because they both had the same mothers, but Jesus' father was God, the father conceived by the Holy Spirit. Please take note of this. Did you know that Jesus' brothers and sisters did not believe in his ministry? Believe in him during his ministry? At what point, at one point, his family came to apprehend Jesus because they thought he had taken leave of his census. Mark chapter 3 verses 31 and 35 points this out. Then Jesus' mother and brother arrived standing outside. They sent someone to call him, and a crowd was sitting around him. And they told him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my brothers and my mother and brothers, he asked. Then he looked around and seated in the circle around him and said, here are my mother and my brothers, whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Close quote. Jesus was not being disrespectful to his family at this time. Jesus was pointing out that the most important thing that anyone can do is to have their lives aligned with God the Father and to do his will. His own siblings thought that he was kind of off his rocker. There's more to this. In the Gospel of John, in chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, also points this out. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee, purposely staying away from Judea, because the Jews were waiting to take his life. But when the Jewish feast of the tabernacle was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, I want to point that out, Jesus' brothers said to him, you ought to leave here and go to Judea so that your disciples may see the miracles you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. And verse 5 says, this, for even his own brothers did not believe in him. Even his own brothers 
did not believe in him. So the question is, when did James, the half-brother of Jesus, believe the claims of Christ? When did he come to faith in Christ? What was the changing point in his life that made the difference? Of course, the answer is after the resurrection when they saw him. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 6 through 7, tells us this. After that, which is the resurrection, Jesus appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living though some have fallen asleep. And verse 7 says, Then he appeared to James and then to all the the apostles. Then in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, Luke, the author of Acts, tells us this. After suffering, after his sufferings, Jesus showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Now this is where everything falls into place. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus told his followers that they were going to Jerusalem, that they were to go to Jerusalem and wait for the days when the Holy Spirit would come and baptize them. That is what they did. And do you know who part of that group was at this time? Acts chapter 1 verse 14 tells us they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. That's found in Acts chapter 1 verse 14. Wow. Jesus' brothers all believed in him now they believe but throughout his whole ministry until the resurrection of Christ they didn't believe that Jesus was the Christ that he was the Messiah the promised one who had come In Acts chapter 1, we understand that Jesus' brothers, along with others, witnessed the ascension of Jesus. Then, in obedience to Jesus' command, they went to the upper room in Jerusalem and waited there for the outpouring of the Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit came with his power and with his fullness, the early church skyrocketed into existence. And as I told you before, within a short period of time, the church in Jerusalem grew over to 100,000 people who were eventually scattered across the Roman Empire. After becoming a believer in Christ, James quickly rises to leadership in the Jerusalem church. He he attended the first church conference in Acts chapter 15 and was able to bring factions within the body together. He had a place within the church. In Galatians 2.9, Paul calls James a Peter. A pillar. Many scholars believe that James, the brother of the Lord, was the pastor of the Jerusalem church. Thus, with all that has been said about him, he has the most supporting evidence that he is the author of this letter that is written, 
Jesus, uh, James, the brother of Jesus. And it was written to the 12 tribes that were scattered among the nations. Here's the question. Why did it take so long for James and his brothers to put their faith in Christ? I want you to think about that for a moment. Why so long? They grew up with him. They saw him. Why so long? Can you imagine what it would be like to, to be one of his siblings, to grow up with the, with the one who is the Messiah, to watch him, to see what he did? They were the most privileged of all the people to be his sibling and spend more time with him than anyone else. So then why didn't they believe right away? Why didn't they believe? No doubt James and his siblings all knew that there was something different about Jesus. They could not help notice that. He lived the perfect life. He was always obedient to his parents, always exhibited the fruit of the Spirit in his life, the love, the joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Jesus always was fair in everything that he did. He always thought of others. He always put others before himself. What was there not to like about Jesus? Other than maybe Mary and Joseph saying to the rest of the children, couldn't you be more like Jesus? Couldn't you be more like Jesus? Maybe some of you have grown up with a sibling that your parents said to you, couldn't you be more like Johnny? Couldn't you be more like Susie? Couldn't you be more like whoever? I believe the reason they, did, they didn't believe in Jesus is that after he started his ministry, he began to say things like, the Father and I are one. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. If you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Actually, Jesus was speaking blasphemous words because if he wasn't the Messiah, he was an imposter. And they grew up with him and they couldn't understand Jesus. Yes, he was a wonderful person. Yes, he was a great brother, brother, great brother. Yes, he was a great example. But he claimed to be God in the flesh. They didn't believe. It wasn't until after the resurrection when they saw him again and they placed their faith in him. So what can we learn from the life of James, the brother of our Lord? What do we learn? Well, first of all, I want to just paint a little illustration for you. I want you to imagine that you have a daughter. Maybe you have only boys in your family, but imagine if you have a daughter. And she's dating a young man. And this young man is a wonderful individual. He has a fantastic job. His career is excellent. Everything that he does is perfect. If he plays sports, it's great. If he plays with the children, it's great. If he does anything, whatever it is he puts his hand to, he lives an exemplified life of the way. And he's dating your daughter 
and all of a sudden you realize that he wants to marry your daughter, but he also says that I am God. What are you going to do? He's the nicest guy you've ever met, but he is either a quack or or he is who he claims to be. And we know from the scriptures there is only one Messiah. And we would have to say anybody else who claims to be the Messiah is a quack. Jesus' brothers and sisters looked at Jesus and when he claimed to be a Messiah, they either said he was a quack or he is really who he is. At first they said he was a nut. But when they saw the miracles and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, they put his, they put their faith in him. James' life was transformed after he made the decision to follow Christ and to accept his claims. So what can we learn from his life this morning? First, he is a late bloomer. Although he had more access to Jesus than any others, he only put his faith in Jesus at the end of Jesus' earthly ministry. This means it, does, it doesn't matter at what stage you and I are in life. When we place our faith in Christ, he will have a ministry for us and it will suit our gifts and our callings and our talents that he has given to us. That we can do as James, we can go out and we can look for ministry and we can say, this is where God has called me. And maybe perhaps you have been doing your ministry within this church and many people have. But this will only say one thing, I will serve the Lord to my fullest all the more as I depend upon him to give me the strength to do my calling. As we look into the future of this year, we're going to start with the planning sessions of scope ministries that will take place in January. I want you to be in prayer because God has good things involved for us. God has good things for us. And we need to be praying. And if we commit ourselves to the Lord and we listen to his leading and we follow his guidance, we will see that we will move ahead as we proclaim the gospel to others. And this is what God has called us to do, that we will be like James. We will see the church abound in people and we will abound in maturity as we depend upon him and as we go, also go through the trials and the tribulations together. I ask one thing of you this week. I ask that you would read through the book of James several times as we continue this study and focus upon the race that is before us because these are encouragement words for us throughout the whole book, encouragement for the race in life, encouragement for the race that, lead, that, uh, that is before us today. For our last song, let's sing number 574, Be Not Dismayed, Whate'er Be Tied. Please stand with us.
Paul says to the Ephesian church, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Heavenly Father, thank you once again for the opportunity to meet together. Thank you, Lord, for the year that you have brought us through difficulties. Lord, as we look around, we have saw with, within our congregation and other churches as well, those who have gone on to be with you and at the same time have left holes within the hearts that are left behind. I pray, Father, that you would comfort those families. We also realize we, even within our church there are a number of people who are sick We ask, Lord, that your hand would be upon them at this time, that you would give them strength. We pray, Lord, for the new year that is set before us, that we will be diligent studiers of your word, that we will come before you daily. 
we will read, we will seek your face, and our hearts will be humbled before you. I pray, Father, now that as we go into this new week, that you would go before us, lead, guide, and direct us so that we can be examples and so that we can lift the name of Jesus above all. For this we pray in Christ's name, amen. And you may be seated.